This is the coolest show brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's the coolest show you know. Keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show you know. In your ear, yeah, respect the expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show you know. It's the Hip Hop Talk. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Tamara Tolls O'Loughlin, sitting in for the magnanimous Reverend Lennox Yearwood on the Coolest Show podcast. Uh, we have invited the incredible and incomparable Michael Dorsey back to talk with us today to dig into a little deeper the ongoing story of the financial reckoning that is both necessary to this fight and imperative for this phase of the climate crisis. On the heels of conversations that we have had on climate finance campaigning, climate finance regulation, implementation and deployment of the Inflation Reduction Act, and uh, the funds moving for energy and environmental defense, we believe at the podcast that it's important for us to talk about what all of this is for. What is the money supposed to do? And for so many of us, the answer is innovation. So to begin that conversation, we want to talk about solar innovation, what it means for Black people to be in this fight in the driver's seat, and what the stakes are for building the energy grid that will last the next generations. It is my pleasure to welcome back Dr. Michael Dorsey to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Truly my pleasure to be back with you all. Thank you. Um, I want to just jump in because this is such a timely conversation. This, This podcast is coming on the heels of just a couple different really great conversations that we've had. And you are part of a few different configurations that have really um, begun to take a public seat to a lot of behind the scenes architecture on designing what this innovation is going to look like. So today we'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, black owners of sol- of solar uh, boss and what that work will mean for people in the future in the context of some other questions around how this money is moving. So can I ask you to talk to us about BOSS to flesh out the appropriate S's in the, in the, in the um, acronym and to let our audience know who is BOSS and why should they care? BOSS is Black Owners of Solar Services. Uh, you can find out, listeners can find out information about us uh, by going to our website. That's blacksolar.org. Uh, right now, BOSS or Black Owners of Solar Services uh, is a nonprofit uh, under the IRS. We're a 501c3, as they say in IRS, uh, you know, speak. Uh, We're on the path. We've just submitted our paperwork to the IRS to establish a trade association, which would be a 501c6 in the IRS parlance. Uh, and we're in process to add a third institution um, to that, uh, what would become a triumvirate, uh, a boss fund, which will be a uh, uh, financial services entity, uh, and it'll be listed as a corporation. So BOSS is a suite of uh, organizations, uh, efforts to essentially support black owners of solar services, those installer and developers in particular that are leading and have been leading now for years, uh, really, and in some, some black businesses really for decades, uh, leading the uh, build out of renewable energy in this country, but also energy efficiency, 
uh, in this country and some of them working even beyond, uh, you know, in the, in the region, as it were, in the Caribbean, abroad, uh, you know, in Africa and, and other countries. Um, there has been an, uh, an amazing architecture of black contractors, black renewable energy developers, uh, small, medium, some uh, quite large, actually, some with large books, as it were, that have been uh, building uh, and laying the foundation and the framework for what we hope uh, and we know needs to be, must be, will have to be an equitable energy future for this country and for the planet uh, as we know it. As business owners, uh, we know that wealth is not the same as happiness, freedom, or security. We absolutely firm about that. We're also clear uh, that uh, wealth in the context of uh, this country, a capitalist society like the United States, uh, is a means, uh, not the only means, but it's certainly a means uh, to achieving those ends. Uh, wealth is the a pathway to delivering happiness, freedom, and security. Um, and to that extent, uh, we also are steeped in the fact that in the uh, unequal society of the United States, the society that is steeped uh, in uh, legacies, quite literally centuries, not even decades, centuries of institutional uh, racism, uh, institutional uh, sexism, uh, and energy colonialism, uh, we know that black households um, at this moment in time actually have less wealth uh, now, have less wealth today than they had before the civil rights era. So that's a fundamental problem because we, given that empirical reality, we know that uh, we're not going to deliver uh, an energy future, a new energy future with only one demographic. Uh, particularly, we know empirically that the wealthiest Americans, uh, predominantly white, uh, they're actually a part and parcel of the climate catastrophe that we're facing that's unfolding before our very eyes. They're part and parcel of having a disproportionate role and responsibility for creating that crisis and that catastrophe that is gripping not just the country, but the entire planet. So if we're going to have a serious, uh, empirically based, scientifically rooted conversation about how we're going to stop and bring to an end the climate catastrophe caused by the wealthiest Americans that happen to be white in this country, we need to have a conversation about opening up and diversifying those that are delivering the solutions. Uh, we certainly need all hands on deck, but we need to put disproportionately more resources to those that have been on the margins, uh, that are the least responsible for the problem, uh, and also bear a disproportionate burden uh, of the problem. So those that are least responsible, particularly, especially poor black and brown people in this country, they are harmed first and most by the unfolding climate catastrophe. So in that sort of, call it uh, struggle, as it were, we've got black businesses that have been working on the solution set. And really the, the mandate of boss is to move resources to those businesses, empower those businesses help those businesses go from small businesses to medium enterprises, help the medium ones go to larger enterprises. And, and then along the way, or simultaneously really, put clean energy, green energy, 
that's going to have an upside in terms of not just the environment, but in terms of livelihood and well-being in those communities, black and brown communities in particular, that have been harmed by the unfolding climate crisis, but also that have been harmed by institutionalized energy racism, which is uh, the the rule, um, you know, it is the de jour uh, sort of standard in this country, unfortunately. You know, the, the U.S. likes to tout when they put out the national numbers about how you have no one with, uh, without electricity. But we know, we know that the poorest of the poor, uh, absolutely, you know, when you look at data, if you look at sort of multilateral data, you go to the United Nations and the World Bank data and look at the country-level data, you look at the U.S., it it's, it's presents itself as a country that where nobody is without electricity. No more nonsense could be further from the truth. We have poor folks, uh, black and brown folks in urban areas uh, who see their lights uh, and other utilities cut off first, while companies who haven't paid their bills uh, keep getting services. We know we have a whole legacy of, you know, a bitter, bitter racism against native populations uh, in tribal communities and on reservations that literally live underneath a utility scale project infrastructure, literally underneath the wires passing overhead, yet their homes have not even a connection to one light bulb. So this country is really one that's characterized not just by the institutional racism that is undermining uh, black, brown, and white lives, but also an energy racism that pushes people and keeps people certain types of people, black, brown, and poor folks in the dark, uh, without heat, uh, without uh, the things that they need to, to do what? Deliver themselves the happiness, the freedom, and security that they need, that we know we need to deliver a better livelihood. And really, BOSS, Black Owners and Social Services, is about reversing uh, that problem and correcting it, not just for the black owners, uh, as embodied in our name, but for this country and ultimately for the planet writ large, and nothing else will ever be, uh, uh, there's no lesser mandate than that one. One where we deliver energy justice uh, and its result is the livelihoods of all are massively improved. I mean, that's the, that's the rub for energy and environmental work in general. Um, I tell uh, this to folks all the time that like, it's the only line of work where even the people who hate you get another chance if we win. So, so frankly, frankly, it, it is, it is as altruistic as any, as any profession could be because it's dedicating yourself to a service that's just naturally bigger than you. I also want to flag that in your incredible response, you flagged uh, de jure and de facto. And I just want to break that down for the audience. So de jure just means under the law or whatever is left of it. And de facto just means what's, le- uh, what's true in fact. So de jure you Absolutely. know, uh, your, your legal status versus what happens on the street. If you if, like just to make that very plain and um, connecting that point to my next question. Recently, the U.S. Treasury has made some moves in support of all the things that you talked about. And they focused on diversity and renewable innovation in response to movement demands for equity just as a parcel of what you're talking about and trying to connect people to the administration's stated commitments to to freedom, to reversing the tide, to giving people access to to life-saving basic infrastructure. Can you unpack for the audience how equity connects 
to solar on the street? And what does treasury thinking does or doesn't do to create more innovation? Well, I'll, I'll say a couple of things on that and just, and I'll, maybe I'll take the question in reverse. So the, the treasury, um, call it regulation that you're talking about is got the beautiful name of what they call the low income communities bonus credit under, uh, uh, sort of a corner of Treasury Code Section 48E. So way back uh, in the fall uh, of last year, uh, 2022, uh, we submitted, a boss submitted formal comments to the Treasury. And I'll send those to you so you can put them on the website uh, and folks, listeners can have, you know, the chance to, to download, uh, you know, our detailed comments. Uh, the, the rub is that basically uh, the Treasury is trying uh, to see that uh, disproportionate benefits flow to low-income communities. Um, and really, ultimately, in the end of the day, that tax equity for renewable projects uh, and all the other different kinds of subsidies is sort of a, a universe of subsidies and benefits that are renewable projects in general are eligible for. We want to make sure that those benefits actually flow first and most, and again, disproportionately to those that have been cut out of those benefits. Um, and we think at BOSS that you know, the Treasury's guidelines, they give uh, a substantial um, you know, indicator uh, and, and they, they set the right tone. Treasury is still in the, in the process of refining this and we're going to be with them the whole long way and making sure that the, the sort of the spirit of making sure that low-income communities do benefit is actually delivered upon. Uh, this is not something that's also limited to Treasury. Um, that's right. This is, uh, you know, other agencies uh, like the Department of Energy, like um, the newly created Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, which some people are, you know, calling it the, the new green bank, as it were. It's not exactly a green bank, but we, we can take that as a, we can, we can use that moniker. Um, but there are a whole, there's a whole new sea of initiatives from government agencies that are being, let's say, both targeting resources and being designed with an intent to target and move resources to marginalized communities. And our job at BOSS really is to make sure that the government writ large, not just the rules in the IRS code uh, at Treasury, uh, not just one agency, the Department of Energy or the Environment Protection Agency, but really a full uh, government-wide uh, goal is that marginalized communities who have been not just cut out of the clean green solution set, which they have, but also have been disproportionately dumped on. I mean, we have to keep in mind that the, the main goal of the Department of Energy, um, you know, supermajority of its budget is actually concerned with moving nuclear uh, power and moving the nukes around. That's really why the Department of Energy was stood up. Um, it has a lesser goal in terms of other types of energy. But what do we know about nuclear power? We know that the way the raw material for it, uranium is mined uh, mm -hmm. and, and aggregated, has been detrimentally harmful uh, to native uh, communities, particularly in the southwest of the United States, in Arizona, um, Utah, New Mexico. Uh, we and know that those communities and that have it has been, a half life of everyone you'll ever know's life times fifty. 
Well, not only that, but the the resulting uh, installations uh, have not been delivered on time. They have forced uh, rate increases. You know, you've got that Vogel facility that the Department of Energy has been backing, you know, more than a decade, pouring literally billions and billions of dollars in cost overruns and driving up the, the bills of uh, all residents, uh, white, black, and brown, and otherwise in Georgia, but disproportionately, again, falling, the burden falling on the poorest of the poor and black and brown residents in Georgia because of the, the exorbitant cost uh, and inefficiencies of nuclear power. So in the new world, in the 21st century world, BOSS is going to make sure not only our agencies and a whole government approach delivering key resources uh, to build the clean green economy, but also we're going to be making sure that key resources are, are turned off for bad energy, for that 20th century energy, that dirty energy, whether it's nuclear, whether it's coal, whether it's gas. Uh, and uh, resources are also pushed to communities that need to see the cleanup of that dirty energy that's living all around them and harming them uh, and poisoning their water and continuing to poison their air and continuing to keep their rates high. We've seen some, some nuclear power plants, for example, in California, uh, the Diablo Canyon uh, facility there on the coast of California, sort of the middle of California. When they turn that facility off, it costs more money to maintain the turned off facility because they have okay. to uh, take care of the nuclear waste at the facility than it did to generate energy from the facility in the first place. So we, we know we're going to have these uh, mispricings uh, and uh, sort of, yeah, mispricings of this problem, and that's going to be pushed onto the backs of ratepayers, and disproportionately, that's going to mean that black and brown folks are going to be paying more and paying more on average of their you know income to deal with these problems. So we want to make sure that we get disproportionate amount of the good money for good stuff for 21st century clean green solar, wind, uh, energy, geothermal, etc. We want to make sure that. Uh, some of the money also moves to clean up old problems of the dirty 20th century energy and then to move money out of that bad energy in the first place. So we're working on sort of three fronts with respect to holding government accountable. So I just want to um, break some of that down for our audience and flag that like one of the things you're talking about isn't just innovation and development and generation and transmission and making sure that what touches the ground isn't killing our community. It's also going back to make sure that the harm that's already been caused, the lives that have already been lost, the land that has been sacrificed or that will continue to be sacrificed. What you were just talking about when I joked, you know, about the magnitude, like the half-life of this toxic waste falls down to a real Bill Nye to science guy level problem is that why should we keep making something when we can't put it anywhere on earth, right? So the idea that these questions around how will we produce energy in a way that doesn't speed up the climate crisis whilst doing things that allow us to continue to have some measure of lifestyle that we're used to is exactly the questions that environmental justice um, moves into when you add a lens of energy justice. And so these ideas that they're separate is is really a fabrication because environmental justice has always been about the, about these things. It just had to do def defense work on keeping the poisons out before we could talk about what would be produced instead. So what you're talking about is 
a new threshold where we're not just talking about problems and being on defense, but talking about solutions and living an offensive strategy so that we can make choices and not just be consumers. I think that's a really powerful point. And I think it lifts up why the reason I asked about the treasury and what's happening around the credits and cash to build sustainable energy is because the fuel to do that comes from the marketplace, the government and private equity all coming together at the same time to say, we're not going to get out of this in the ways that we got in it. Um, What's always exciting about talking to communities about energy is that People say, well, I don't know enough to get in there. But one, you weren't invited to the first conversation. Uh, More than likely, if you were alive in this moment, you are descended from people who were asked to get out of the way so that four or five people can make a lot of decisions about how power gets to you, where it's going, and what it costs you. So it's really important and powerful that you brought up the ongoing relationships because as we move into this conversation around what innovation unleashes, people have very clear opinions about what they want to see and what they don't. And some of that isn't just about wanting to have good things happen. It's about how it happens. One example of it is recently uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, Folks, environmental organizations in Puerto Rico filed a lawsuit against its own municipality because what they chose to do with money when the electricity there costs anywhere between 50 and 58 cents a kilowatt hour, which is everybody's money everywhere I come from, it was reinvesting it in power that continues to reinforce a fossil fuel economy instead of what that community might want to do with the money, with those same dollars to invest in renewable energy. So it sounds like uh, Puerto Rico uh, needs a boss equivalent. And it needed it yesterday. I know there's some really powerful advocates there. So I'm not saying that that work's not already happening, but just flagging that it feels like we're in a moment where we're going to need a lot of what you're describing in order to respond to the future and what's happening. Can you talk to us about any specific opportunities for Black businesses, developers, and innovators that are possible now and what that unleashes in the future? And the reason I ask is because I had a conversation with the but hopefully a guest will bring on soon who flagged to me that like sometimes because of environmental justice defense tactics, we tend to think when the thing is happening, that's the last point at which we can communicate. So can you talk to our audience a little bit about all the opportunities after a deal is inked or when something happens where there are places where business continues, development happens, innovation and communication can happen from communities? Well, so th- there are many, many questions there. L- yes. l- let me pick up, pick up on, on a couple of pieces of it. You know, I- I'll say that the, the high watermark for truly delivering on, uh, and I'll blend it as you blended it, both environmental justice and energy justice is really at the end of the day is, is about the legitimate and meaningful involvement and participation of all people, regardless of race, color, national origin, or income, with respect to at least three things, with respect to the development, the implementation, and enforcement of laws, regulation, and policies. So it's about not being, uh, you know, uh, told after the fact that the law has changed and you're going to be subject to it, okay? It's not about uh, being uh, brought into a room and saying and being told, "Okay, uh, we need you uh, various characters in this room because you're black or brown or because you're 
you're poor or, or you're from some remote part of the United States uh, to learn about what this agency is going to do to you. That's right. Justice, energy justice, environmental justice is about all people's involvement in the development, the implementation, and the enforcement of environmental laws and, and energy uh, laws, regulations, and policies. And so to the extent that we have that and we put that as our North Star, truly delivering on that, which we are not delivering on in this country. We don't deliver that in this country. Make no mistake about it. Um, but if that is the North Star, then um, we are seeing uh, this small, but it's growing, uh, infrastructure to go to your next question about what is out there for black businesses. Uh, we have a growing uh, green bank infrastructure. We have a, a growing and existing infrastructure of other banks that are seeing the ways in which renewable energy in particular, energy efficiency improvements and investments are accretive to their bottom line. They make, they make the bank money. They make the clients money. They end up with upsides um, you know, for well-being, uh, whether it's reducing uh, pollution from dirty energy, uh, whether it's cleaning up neighborhoods and so forth. And then at the end of the day, the true upside of this, of this 21st century moment is that clean, green, solar, wind, renewable energy broadly is now the cheapest way to generate energy. That's why we see day on day, uh, absolutely, day on day, week on week, uh, month on month, quarter on quarter, more and more renewable energy installed and generating out the renewable generation is outpacing the 20th century fossil fuel generation. But we have a, a whole a universe of uh, green banks from the Connecticut Green Bank to the New York Green Bank over to the California Green County. Bank, the Montgomery County Green Bank. You've you got a, a D.C. Green Bank in, in D.C. Uh, you got even as out, out to Hawaii and beyond. you got the Hawaii Green Energy Market uh, effort. You got a, a new universe of financial institutions that are uh, providing loans to black businesses. They're providing uh, lines of, of capital, both debt and equity uh, to mm -hmm. the developer installers are you know, members of boss. The developer installers are accessing that capital. You also got uh, new networks like the, I was just earlier this week talking with uh, the members of the African-American Alliance of CDFIs. Um, right. that are lo looking at and, and, and growing um, you know, their interest in uh, funding uh, green energy. Uh, and you know, all the listeners out there should, should tune in to their website. That's AAACDFI, um, you know, you know, AAACDFI.org. Folks can look at what the African-American Alliance of CDFI COs are doing. Uh, they're beginning to uh, fund and, and fund in the green energy space. And they are absolutely interested in supporting uh, black businesses, small, medium black businesses that are doing installations, that are installing and developing renewable energy. So there is a growing infrastructure. And, and that new infrastructure doesn't even include the existing infrastructure of existing banks. Boss, we've, we've been lucky enough to have some great partners, uh, early sponsors, Amalgamated Bank is one. Uh, that's when the national, you know, has got a national footprint. Uh, we've got good relationships with U.S. Bank, with TD uh, Bank and so forth. So some of the, call them the old school banks, as it were, that have been around for more than a minute. Yeah. They themselves are adding uh, products and resources for 
businesses, but also uh, for consumers, uh, for home improvement uh, projects. So, so there's, there are opportunities for businesses as well as homeowners uh, and others to access the, the clean, green economy. And those opportunities, they're only going to grow and expand because the clean, green stuff is the cheapest way to deliver energy. And it also has some of the fastest returns. Um, so people, banks are going to be investing in this. There are upsides for both the businesses and the homeowners. I'll just take this moment to say um, that for our audience, that CDFIs are community development financial institutions. And we recently had uh, an incredible podcast that included Marilyn Waite. So, you know, we the audience is growing in their capacity to understand the utility of community banking institutions and minority banking institutions to fill in the gap. Uh, and And most recently, we talked about you know, 20 of those when we used to have 50 is a loss of 30 we could use right now. So we are not in a moment where, you know, these these goals for racial equity and energy justice and environmental justice are incompatible. In fact, they're really deeply connected because having people you trust who know you, who will invest in you, requires them to see you. Yes. So I just think it's very powerful that these interventions require each other in order to move forward. And it makes it easier for these efforts to be supported in the ways that will allow us to meet the goal of not dying on a fiery gas ball that used to be called Earth. Um, I also want to uh, just, yeah, I mean, the, this is what we're talking about. Like, it isn't it isn't that we all wake up in the morning wanting to know everything about grid health. It's that, it's that in order to ensure that we are doing things in our everyday lives that aren't costing the future, we have to be thoughtful about these things. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I know some of what has been happening in the federal regulatory space, whenever the government sets a standard, which says they're going to be more equitable, they're going to think about who's been harmed and who's left out. There are always people who aren't for that. Is there anything um, in this energy conversation as people are trying to figure out where they fit? I just came from a meeting full of folks who realize that there's money to be made in the environment. You know, these folks are, are like, that is a real, this is a real moment for people when they realize that if it costs 3.2 cents to build solar energy and have it come from an array and you're paying four or five, 15 times that just because you don't know anything about it, there's a loss there which can be recouped. So um, any thoughts about folks who are hearing some of this information for the first time and what they do next, having heard from you about um, where you're seeing problems, where there are needs for advocacy. How do folks who are not already in this space get into this conversation? Well, there's so many pathways. Uh, one in particular that we at Black Owners of Solar Services are you know, certainly working with, and, and all listeners can tune into this website, um, the Office of Economic Impact and Diversity at the Department of Energy. Uh, it has a a whole suite of programs and projects to support uh, minority developers to uh, basically rethink and deliver on its its nameplate mandate, economic impact and diversity. Um, it's delivering on energy justice. Uh, they're working on, you know, changing and delivering on diversity, equity, inclusion in the energy sector and in, for, in, for in, industries in the sector. So they're doing a tremendous amount of work, and I would you know, direct you know, all the listeners to, to tune in to what uh, the Office of Economic Impact and Diversity at the Department of Energy is doing, uh, led by uh, wonderful uh, Chief 
uh, Shalea Morissette uh, and her amazing team over there. So there's tons of resources there that I direct folks to. There are also uh, other opportunities from the banks that I discuss. I would you know, direct folks to, that are in the different you know, jurisdictions where your listeners are, you know, tune into the websites of, you know, the, the green bank in your neighborhood. So if you, if you're in Montgomery County in Maryland, you know, check them out online. You know, they've got a lot of resources there. If you're in the district of Columbia, uh, check out the, the DC green bank. If you're up in New York or in Connecticut or over, you know, uh, California, Hawaii, uh, many States have uh, green banking infrastructure and there are a lot of opportunities, you know, in my home state in Michigan, uh, it's not called the Michigan Green Bank. It's called Michigan Saves. Uh, they've got tons of opportunities, both for commercial businesses, uh, but also they have opportunities um, for uh, residential uh, homeowners as well. So there are tons of resources that are on those websites. And those resources are only expanding day on day. So there's a tremendous uh, space for both businesses to connect and get resources to do the work that they need to do and to grow their businesses, but also for, for homeowners and, and let's say, like we say on the street, civilians, as it were, uh, to, to, to get resources, if only knowledge resources. It may not be always financial. Uh, I think one of the downsides of America, unfortunately, and we've seen this um, <laughs> over, over recent years, uh, is really... Uh, not being steeped uh, properly in science uh, and being distracted by uh, not just science fiction, but foolishness uh, and even political science fiction. Uh, we've seen this uh, with a lot of chicanery uh, from, from Tennessee uh, to Trump Tower. Um, and that sort of thing, uh, really, ultimately, it harms the country. Uh, and, and that's why, really, America... You know, America used to be the lead uh, country uh, for solar deployment. Uh, that that now that prize, indeed, indeed, we did that. That prize now, yeah, exactly. That, that prize now goes to to China and Europe and Germany, in particular, in Europe. They're much further ahead in terms of uh, you know the uh, the aggressiveness of the deployment of renewable energy. We've got to get back in this game. Uh, we've got to get back in the game on, you know, on the full sort of commodity chain of renewable energy production, as it were, from both the raw material production, which we do very little of that in this country. We don't, we don't make many solar panels in this country. Most of that's been, you know, uh, offshore to, to China and emerging markets. We've got to get back in that game. Uh, there's some opportunities there. There are opportunities for folks seeking work. You know, some of these mega majority Republican states, um, you know, we shouldn't be fooled. They're in the game. Um, you know, in Georgia, uh, they're building one of the largest uh, solar uh, panel uh, manufacturing uh, places in this country. Once they stand that facility up in, in Georgia, that will be one of the largest uh, uh, panel manufacturers in the whole country. That is a you know Republican, you know, some may say purple state, but you know, Republican governor and so forth. Uh, similarly, in, in places like uh, you know West Virginia, absolutely mega. Uh, majority uh, Republican state, but they've been making huge commitments, multi-hundred million dollar, multi-billion dollar commitments to uh, green energy, to uh, EV battery manufacture. Uh, they've just recently put about a third of a billion dollars into a new, what will become when it's built, the largest uh, carbon-free steel manufacturing facility in the whole country. So, um, one shouldn't... That's huge for emissions. Huge for emissions. And that's huge for emissions. 
And it's huge for the industry. Absolutely. And, and huge for jobs. Going to create jobs. You know, I was talking with uh, Representative Daniel Linville up there in West Virginia. And he said, you know, back in his day, the biggest employer, and he's a young, he's a young delegate in, in the state house, Republican. Mm-hmm. He said back in his day, the biggest re- employer in his neighborhood was Piggly Wiggly. And he is very proud to have. Supermarket. Absolutely. And he's now very proud. He, he was one of the, 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 you know, legislatures up there in West Virginia pushing the money into this new uh, green steel. He's quite proud of, of having done that because he's no fool. He admits openly, look, Dr. D, I'm a coal man, but the jobs are run out on coal. So we got to find something else. Um, so all I can give with differences in politics, all I can give is respect to somebody who's going to own the reality and then look for truth and serious solutions. I'm all about seriousness, as you know, uh, and, and only about it on this show and only going to always be about it. So anybody that's serious and looking at these problems like Delegate Linville and others, uh, that's going to be the folks that are going to deliver us a change. And not just for, uh, you know, uh, white folks, but really for all folks, black folks, brown folks, and everybody else going to deliver jobs, going to deliver out of this catastrophic climate nightmare, nightmare that we're in. Well, I'm going to ask two brief questions. One is, given your vantage point on how all these things are coming together, and uh, I'm going to ask you, there are folks who have said that they have concerns, people who have been in solar, who have had an advantage at solar, even in these dormant years for unleashing this technology and this capacity, this power in the regulatory market, who've said that they're concerned that poor black and brown folks just can't get to scale. As of someone who's really thought deeply about all of that, what do you have to say about that kind of concern, that murmur, that negativity? Well, I ignore foolishness. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't have time for it. Fair enough. Um, and the reality is, is that last I checked, uh, all of the wealthiest people in America, the wealthiest country on earth, haven't delivered the planet out of climate hell. And indeed, while some folks have, may think otherwise in their dream time uh, or whatever, you know, uh, plan that they own in their own little mind, the reality is, is that we must have an all-inclusive approach to delivering energy justice and not just delivering energy justice in the sort of the sense of what we talked about earlier, including people in the, both the development, implementation, and enforcement of energy laws and rules and regulations, but really getting all people and moving disproportionate amounts of resources to those that have been not just on the margins because they pay more, black and brown folks pay more for energy than uh, white people, wealthy white people in particular. We're not just moving money to, to help those that are on the margins in terms of the lack of, of income. We must move key resources to those that have been shut out of deploying uh, energy as aggressively as we need to. And the only way we're going to do that is as we involve and include everybody. Uh, the fact is, is that most utilities uh, in this country, unfortunately, this country is, 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 is far behind you know, the aggressive pacing mm-hmm. that you see, even in Africa for that matter, uh, but certainly in Europe and, uh, India. and, and India and China. So many utilities are standing in the way of deploying renewable energy. Uh, many utilities in different states, whether it's from Michigan to North Carolina uh, to other states, they don't uh, give proper incentives and robust and aggressive incentives for the generation of renewable energy. 
They're actually trying to block the deployment of that. They fought yeah, it. Absolutely. They're, they're not, they didn't <laughs> they just really, fought it. We, they are fighting it. This is an a, it. active yeah. resistance that is going on as we are speaking right now and as your listeners are, are tuning in. So the idea... These are the, these are the same folks who, who fought on bill financing. Like there were efforts to, because everyone pays their energy bill, even to the detriment of their medical. Like when we talk about energy burden, is that people prioritize having energy over every other thing. So whatever dollar they have, most of it goes to making sure they have that. When those questions were brought in every state house and public service commission in the country, the utilities fought to make sure that it didn't go on a bill so you could pay it over time. Absolutely. So the enemy is not them. It's us. No, absolutely. So, so really what we need is a, we need to support all of those that are seriously working on delivering energy justice. And that means that we're not going to fool ourselves or lie to ourselves that, you know, uh, black and brown businesses that are, have already been working in this space for literally decades aren't going to be a part of that solution. They already have been. They're going to continue to be. They're going to grow. And some of these utilities that are standing in the way of progress, you know, they're going to go the way of, of the, the baby bells, as it were. Uh, most folks don't even know uh, what a dial tone is. A great number of young people have never heard such a thing because uh, you don't have a dial tone on your cell phone. Uh, so that's an artifact of a history long, long gone. Uh, and that's going to be the, 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 the case with some of these large utilities that are slowing the deployment of clean, green energy. They're going to disappear like the mummies of Egypt. They're going to be gone and look, they're going to be in museums on a good day uh, and forgotten on most days. That's right. Well, there's so much more to talk about. We'll have to have you back on the podcast because this is just the beginning of a deep conversation about what the future is going to look like. Uh, can I ask you, how do folks keep up with you and what Boss is doing uh, and your other hats if they can, if the internet still exists by the time this podcast is done? Uh, and Twitter is available. How might people find you? Well, we're well, hoping that that all the internet things are going to be going on. You can find more information and see what we're doing at Black Owners of Solar Services by going to blacksolar.org. Again, blacksolar.org. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm not very active uh, on social, uh, but on Instagram, I'm there as Dr. Renewables. Uh, so you can follow me there. Uh, and then on, on Twitter, uh, I'm the Green Doctor uh, on Twitter. So reach out, uh, you know, I'm easy to find, uh, you know, I'd encourage all listeners to, to be in touch uh, and we look forward to, to collaborating and hearing uh, from all of you. Well, I'd like to thank you very much, Dr. Michael Dorsey, our guest today on The Coolest Show. I'm Tamara Tolls, your host, sitting in for the Reverend Lennox Yearwood. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.